0: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: Right now, the Federal Reserve has opened its latest two-day policy meeting while wholesale prices are rising at a record rate. And to talk about all of that, David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. So, David, your thoughts on the inflation numbers today and what they mean moving forward, especially with the Fed?
4: Yeah, that producer price number up 9.6% year over year was, I think, a shocker to the market and virtually guarantees a more hawkish federal reserve uh decision coming at their two-day meeting today and tomorrow uh we got a hint of this uh toughness on the part of the fed finally toward inflation back in late november when chairman powell in congressional testimony said that inflation had spread more broadly and inflation was above target and intensifying those were strong words back then for the chairman It hinted that there would be a tougher decision uh, at this policy meeting, and it may well be that the Fed will begin to pare down its monthly securities purchases by a bigger amount so that by maybe next spring, uh, those purchases will end and will set the stage for
3: higher interest rates. What else are you advising investors at this point looking at these numbers?
4: Well, it's just caution. Um, We've had a wonderful run in the markets and uh, virtually every day there was something optimistic to talk about uh, in the stock market, whether earnings or other items. But um, I think uh, the Fed is going to be a wind blowing in the opposite direction. They're going to blow against the market. Uh, Their hawkishness will and, and eventually higher interest rates will begin to uh, dampened stock market enthusiasm. And at some point, I think in the not too distant future, we could see a big correction.
3: David, any good news out there to kind of uh, at least make people feel a little bit better as we're looking at the rest of this?
4: Well, we've got to remember the good news is on that unemployment rate, we've really bounced back from the pandemic in a significant way. Um, remember that unemployment rate is down to four point. Two percent. I think no one thought it could get that low this fast, given the pandemic and all these strains of the virus that we're seeing. But um, I think the employment situation good. Consumer spending is quite strong, uh, given the easy money from the Fed and very heavy government spending. So, all in all, demand is strong, but supply is. Uh, constrained um, by worker, by a labor shortage and global supply chain problems. And uh, that just simply means higher inflation.
3: Uh, and it's going to continue for a while. That's David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver, also author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks, David, as always, for your perspective. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Nike has acquired virtual sneaker maker RTFKT as it moves deeper into the metaverse. And we're joined by Shelly Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group out of New York and author of the book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. So, Shelly, what's going on with Nike? So, Nike has bought Artifact, which is RTFKT, but it's
0: uh, it's sort of a crunched into the word Artifact. They are a virtual sneaker maker or a shoemaker, if you will, Um, Nike is a physical shoemaker. And so the artifact NFT sneakers and uh, fashion shoes and accessories sell for ungodly sums of money on OpenSea and other NFT marketplaces. And this is the most natural, I would argue, um, uh smart if you're nike uh acquisition now whether they paid the right amount of money the wrong amount of money for it that's something else but if you are in the business of nfts if you're in the business of metaverses if you're in the business of web three then uh you know that this is probably the brave new world if you are just getting into it or just learning the jargon There is a kind of a land grab going on right now. It's very early days in the metaverse. You know, that Mark Zuckerberg renamed Facebook Meta. They're thinking about a metaverse. There are metaverses like Decentraland. And if you need to have digital goods or digital assets in these metaverses, or if you're just a collector and feel like you want to speculate on, on a digital asset as opposed to a physical asset, These shoes from Artifact are are coveted at the moment. It's very good artwork. Uh, It's three-dimensional artwork of three-dimensional sneakers. And if it's what you're into, people are collecting them for real money.
3: And this is an area where people have been collecting before. I mean, uh, collecting sneakers is is nothing new. So does that mean that this is kind of a, a good transition for people into the metaverse and cryptocurrencies and NTFs and that sort of thing by doing something that you might be familiar with just in, let's say, the real world? So,
0: sure, I'll accept that as a thesis, and, and it's testable. Uh, if you're into NFTs, if you're into cryptocurrency, if you're into all of it, and look, I have a, a book out called Blockchain that's on Amazon right now, and it's an executive guide to decentralized finance, but there are hundreds of places you can go to learn about the world of what's kno- what's known as Web 3.0, or decentralized finance. That's what's coming. If this is a good idea that Nike had today, um, we're all going to know sooner than later because, you know, the, is it a fad or is it real? These are the questions we're all asking right now. What's real is the underlying technology for sure. What may be a fad are the NFTs themselves. Board Ape, Yacht Club might be a fad, but they're, they're selling for a, a, really a lot of money. Again, the artifact sneakers are selling for a lot of money. People are trading them. Is this the Holland Tulip craze? Or is this something real? That is yet to be seen. But what is absolutely real, absolutely real, is decentralized finance, Web3, and the blockchain technology that underlies all of it. This is going to change the way we do business going forward, and it needs to have your undivided attention. This might be a parlor trick. It's hard to know, but the paradigm shift is here
3: for sure. That's Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group out of New York. And again, if you want to learn more about all of this and Get a better idea of what's going on here. Check out his book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. It'll give you some great explanations. Shelley, thanks so much for joining us, as always. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A Chicago City Council committee has forwarded a revised ordinance which would allow live sports betting at professional sports venues. And to give us the latest on that, Bob Reed, the business writer and contributor, chicago magazine so bob what's going on with sports betting in the city
2: well jim tomorrow the city council is expected to vote on this ordinance and that issue here is lifting a ban on sports betting in chicago which has been prohibited by home rule this would open up the way to having sports books run at wrigley field guaranteed rate wind trust and even soldier field home of the Bears, it's going to be an interesting vote because what it does here is pit the owners of those teams who are very much in favor of this ordinance against Neil Bloom, who is a billionaire casino owner and who also owns a sports book. But the rub here is that he has a bid in for the Chicago casino. He says if you authorize uh, sports betting like this, you're going to hurt the new casino uh, to the tune of uh, millions of dollars.
3: And there's also some questions coming from some of the aldermen, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And the aldermen have a concern primarily with, if you will, the social equity of this. Uh, They did put, uh, pass an ordinance that uh, sort of set some social equity goals in terms of minority and women participation. But uh, everyone is saying that there's not a lot of teeth to that. This is a a strict up money deal. And uh, what they want to make sure is that... uh, their neighborhoods and communities are going to benefit by the uh, money that's going to be generated by this kind of sports betting.
3: What's the thought on its p- passage tomorrow?
2: You know, uh, it, it looks very much like sports betting is on its way. You know, In 2019, the state expanded gaming uh, tremendously. And in the first year alone of online sports gaming, it racked up like $5 billion in total betting. That's a lot of new money that's coming into the gaming system. Uh, And as a result of that, the state got something to the tune of $57 million in state revenues. The city can't turn away that kind of business, and it probably is not going to say we can't allow sports betting for a casino that has yet to be built. (laughs) So I think that uh, right now the trend is moving in that way. But the social equity part is important, and we'll have to see if there are going to be some uh, gains made in that
3: area. That's Bob Reed, the business writer and contributor from Chicago Magazine. Bob, as always, thanks for your reporting. Well, stocks in the red today as Dogecoin surges higher. Joining us with the latest is Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk here in Chicago. So, Mike, let's talk first about what's happening on Wall Street and why.
5: Well, good afternoon, Jim, and thanks again for having me on. You know, Wall Street's having a, a, a sell-off. It looks bad because S&P is down 53 points, but that really is just 1% these days. It's The index has gotten so high that 50-point moves are not a big deal uh but it's it has it is down and it's down you know i think primarily because of the ppi hot readings that we had this morning showing that inflation is not going anywhere uh, it is it is remaining high and uh um looks like it's going to be a, an issue uh for for a while and you have a fed meeting coming up starting today ending tomorrow where where we'll hear uh, from Powell about what uh, what he plans to do, and and certainly investors are are bracing for for what what he has to say tomorrow.
3: What are your thoughts on the price numbers, and more importantly, what advice would you have for people in terms of how they should react to these numbers?
5: Well, it, it, what's it, the most important thing is how the Fed's going to react. But yeah, the numbers are are very hot. In fact, the the PPI numbers are the highest year on year advances uh, since since these. These numbers have been recorded, which really is only about the last ten years, but still it shows that these the inflationary pressure is not going away and it 's been happening all all summer and fall, and it shows that hey, if you print trillions of dollars and hand them out to people, guess what happens? They get spent, and it causes inflation. This is not a a, a uh, a topic that's that's hard to understand. That basically is just economics 101. So, you know, that's what's happening. We got inflation coming. We have maybe more spending bills coming down the the pike, and uh, that could cause more inflation. So, the interesting thing will be what will Powell do to counteract it. Um, in the 80s, you had Paul Volcker, which was the last really high inflationary period, and he stopped it. He raised rates strongly, but that's not what Paul's going to do. He's, he's going to be much more cautious, and we'll have to see. But what, what should investors do? Investors, I think, can stay invested in this market because Powell is not – he's going to be a dove. You're going to see tomorrow he's going to come out with a measured approach. And I, I would I would say to investors, brace for some volatility. But to to remain long, because I think, you know, a year from now, we'll be higher than we are here. And I would just stay away from the speculative names, which have gotten killed, uh, because like the meme stocks, the SPACs, um, some of these IPOs, because those are names that are not based on economic reality. But the good stocks like Apple and Amazon and Google, those stocks are are near all-time highs. And I think that they're going higher.
3: What about Dogecoin? What's going on there?
5: (laughs) Speaking of speculative stuff, so so Elon Musk uh, tweeted out today that Tesla may make or will make some merch merch viable with Doge, um, and we'll see how it goes. That's what his tweet was almost verbatim. Um, it, 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 since then, Doge went up twenty percent just on that on that news. So literally, Elon Musk is is, is causing moves in crypto uh, and has more power in crypto than anyone else probably on the planet. It's scary to, to think that it, it tells me to stay away from, things like Dogecoin, some people are still going to play it. But, you know, it it just shows that that one person can move a market in a cryptocurrency. And is that something that you want to be invested in, certainly in the long haul? Is that something you want to play? Because in in my mind, you know, as a professional investor, I would stay away from something like that. But there's going to be investors who want to play it, but you're going to be basically at the whim of somebody like Elon, Elon Musk and what he might tweet that day.
3: That's Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital and author of the book, Calculated Risk. I'm
1: Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: It's Travel Tuesday. Chicago headquartered United Airlines looking at lower emission aviation while competitor Delta is taking a global approach to the future. And to talk about both, we're joined by Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul here in Chicago. So let's start first with United trying to make the friendly skies a little greener.
6: Yeah, kind of exciting story. United's has shown a real leadership in the sustainability area. They're pushing sustainable aviation fuel, which is you know, using uh, biological materials. But now they're coming out of the box buying uh, some electric hydrogen airplanes, and these are uh, a new experimental technology. And so far the planes uh, have to be pretty small, but they're buying 100 of these planes, and that shows a real commitment to uh, testing out new green technology. So what do you
3: think, would United be using these for like regional service, or what's the thought about the future of these? Or is it just too soon to say how much of a scale United could use these?
6: Yeah, I think really there's a couple things. So you're right, the short hop regional flights, these really go well, because the battery technology is improving fast. But at this point, they're mainly targeting uh, routes under... 250 miles or so we and i think too by placing order for 50 airplanes and 50 options they're helping uh uh the uh you know the manufacturer zero avia move up the uh, learning curve and i think the more of these are made the better the technology is going to become and what they need are launch customers to help them get going and uh you know they could be in the sky as soon as uh uh you know 2028 so it's a little ways down the road but this uh this technology is coming
3: Now, what about Delta? They're looking more globally in terms of their future, right?
6: This is really interesting because... Most U.S. airlines uh, are are happy just to have an equity stake in their regional partners, you know, the smaller regional jets that they use that are contracted out. But Delta has gone global, and they're really – they started this pattern a long time ago, and the pandemic doesn't seem to have scared them off to continue this strategy where they're buying equity stakes uh, in lots of international airlines. They have some already, but now they're going to acquire 20% of Mexico and a 49% of Virgin Atlantic, which is a UK-based uh, carrier uh, founded by Richard Branson. So they're, uh, they're going to have kind of a spider web of connections to international carriers uh, with partial ownership. A little like Lufthansa in Germany has had a similar strategy.
3: So what does that mean for uh, options in terms of international travel that might become available if Delta really does uh, continue on this path?
6: I think it's uh fascinating and that and people have, uh, analysts have always said that the US airline industry is really a strong export for us that we we do airlines really well. And so you would expect our three big platforms, you know, American, United and Delta, all of which have these big global alliances with partners and and um you know, code share. Uh to tighten that network so it really becomes seamless when you travel internationally and make a connection. And that's best done when the carriers have, you know, ownership stakes in each other so they have reason to really cooperate. Delta is going to uh, clearly be a leader in that area.
3: It's been an interesting time with the holidays and just airfares uh... It seems stratospheric. <laughs> they seem to be at about fifty thousand feet right now. What are we looking forward to, or what are you thinking in terms of next year? Once we get past the holidays, what does air travel look like in the new year?
6: It's uh, really looking looking pretty good, and I say that uh, in the middle of a fairly bad week with a pandemic, uh, uh, you know, uh, wave occurring here. But I can tell you that the leisure demand we saw over Thanksgiving holiday and what's the bookings looking for Christmas just really look pretty fantastic for airlines. And I think uh, uh, that's that's been great news. I think the longer this pandemic lasts, the more nervous we get about traditional business travel, convention business, and so forth. That's still a wild card uh, and isn't going to come back you know, the first week of January. But leisure travel, I think, by February will be uh, will be roaring.
3: That's Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chadwick Institute at DePaul. Joe, always great to get your insight on the air travel industry. The highly anticipated new movie Spider-Man No Way Home opens in theaters Friday. Will it be a blockbuster despite continued concern and limitations due to the pandemic? Well, let's ask Paul Abedian, who is the senior media analyst and for the box office traffic and tracking company Comscore out of Los Angeles. So, Paul, what's your Spidey sense telling you?
1: Well, Jim, uh, my Spidey sense is tingling, and I think that this movie is going to swing into theaters with a the first of the pandemic opening weekend of over $100 million. So we've been waiting a long time for this. There's not been a single movie since Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker that opened in mid-December in 2019, two years ago, that movie opened with 177.4 million. And since then we haven't had a single movie open with over hundred million. Obviously the pandemic has had a huge impact on movie theaters, but I think this new Spider-Man movie is going to really break that trend. I think we're gonna see really big numbers. I think 130, 130 million could be the bottom end of what this could do this weekend. Quite astounding given that, given that we're still in a, you know, a pandemically challenged marketplace.
3: So, Paul, is it that this is that great of a movie or is it just conditions in terms of people ready to go to the theaters have changed or what's, what's the reason for that?
1: Well, I think it's both. I think clearly the movies with Tom Holland, the Spider-Man movies, have been really well received. Spider-Man Far From Home, the last installment that opened on July 2nd of 2019, opened with $92.5 million, went on to earn, on to earn I should say, $1.13 billion worldwide at, in theaters alone. And every indication on this movie so far from those I've talked to who have seen it is that it absolutely delivers. Plus you're going to get a lot of younger audiences in the theater who aren't as medicine to go back to the movie theater as perhaps their more mature counterparts. But uh, I think this is just going to be a slam dunk for movie theaters uh, this weekend. And of course, a Marvel movie, a big superhero movie is just kind of film that gets people excited to go into that movie theater experience.
3: So, Paul, does that uh, also then, and I think you suggested this, it bode well for maybe this is that kind of moment that movie theater owners have been uh, and chains have been hoping for for some time since uh, yeah. we've started letting people back in?
1: Definitely. And really, the, the ebb and flow of the box office has been like a roller coaster this year. We're going to wind up probably with around 4.1, 4.2 billion for the year in North America. That's well down from a typical $11 billion year, but nearly double what last year was, 2020, obviously an incredibly and severely challenged marketplace. But the movie theaters are coming back. Spider-Man's performance this weekend, if it's as big as we think, is a really good indicator, a strong positive indicator for the future of movie theaters.
3: That's Paul Dergarabedian, who is the senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore out of L.A., Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see if your spotty senses were tingling in the right way.
1: Listen to every MLB game live. the
5: deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone.
1: Stream minor league affiliates.
5: The Midwest League
3: home run leader.
1: And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
0: Deep left field, it's going to go! Alvarez